0: Oh, and welcome to this second installment of the Mrs M scrapbook. Several pieces of work are currently in a bit of a holding pattern so I thought I would pop on here and talk about some of my recent makes. There's been a fair amount of making in February and March so far what with the preparatory work happening in the garden and the marmalading season being in full flow in the kitchen but I thought I would share a couple of textile related makes this month. To be honest, I've been in a bit of a sewing funk of late. It's not that I've lost the desire to sew, but rather I've not had the appetite to tackle the projects I really wanted to make a start on. I know that sounds a bit contradictory, but please bear with me. I have a couple of tailoring projects that I finally want to tackle this year. A winter coat and a smart jacket. The winter coat is definitely becoming a must, as my existing one is showing serious signs of wear. And while I'm patching it at the cuff, it makes sense to have another one ready for next winter, so I can alternate them. And I've wanted a smartish jacket for the shoulder seasons ever since I grew out of my old city suits, but I've never really felt that my sewing, or rather my fitting skills, were up to tackling some serious tailoring. That was until last year. Last year, both these projects started to feel doable, and I invested in patterns and fabric. I am planning on making the Merchants and Mills strand coat and closet case patterns Yassica or Jessica jacket. I fell in love with the latter as soon as I saw the test version sewn by Handmade by Carolyn, an Australian sewer whose skill and style I definitely aspire to. I've read the patterns and I think I've worked out how to make my normal set of modifications on patterns that consist of many more pattern pieces than my normal dress or tops. And then I stalled. Lack of energy was one part of the story. The second was the knock-on effect of a tweak to my medication. Like many people who take medication for long-term conditions, pain or otherwise, the drugs prescribed can do as much harm as good. And every time my GP tries to change the dosage, my body changes size. As I don't own scales, I'm not really sure if it's pounds, fat or water retention, but there's definitely extra padding that makes my clothes feel uncomfortable and this then sends me into a funk. Suddenly, all my knowledge about my body's proportions and necessary fitting tweaks seem to melt away, and I'm left with the chore of having to start again, all the time whilst cursing the fibromyalgia and the effects of off-label drug usage that makes a condition more manageable, but at a cost. Working out fitting tweaks takes effort, but to do so with more tailored garments doubly so. Add to that my determination to shift that drug-related surge in centimeters or inches and it feels pretty pointless for me to invest the time in testing fitting changes in more complex patterns. I will admit I seriously wondered whether I should even talk about this body related sewing funk here. The last thing I want to do is make anybody else feel meh about their body or suggest bodies should conform to particular standards or diminish anybody else's mental and emotional work to treat themselves and their body with kindness. But I also doubt that I'm the only person in this position where health issues scramble our baseline body functions and the medication we are offered to alleviate issues does as much harm as good. I have a lot of time for the mindset of dress for the person you are rather than the person you aspirationally hope to be one day. At the same time, I know that the person I am is one who will stubbornly shift some of the uncomfortable extra padding when my body's initial response to the drug surge calms down. I'm not saying that others in similar circumstances should do the same or even can do the same. I just know that one of the things that keeps me going in the face of a relentless, barely understood condition is my tenacious determination to retain some control. Not to mention my stubborn refusal to be a hostage to the complex interplay between, on the one hand, a medical system with practitioners who want to alleviate symptoms but have few actual answers, and on the other hand, the modern drugs industry that will push drugs, even off-label use, for profit. So acknowledging and working with this personality streak, I decided to dig myself out of my sewing funk by setting the complex sewing plans aside for a bit, and instead concentrate on a trial and tested pattern that is forgiving to size fluctuations, but to make it with all the care and attention to detail I would bestow on a tailored garment. My pick was a sleeveless trapeze dress, A very simple Merchant and Mills pattern, which on paper probably doesn't look quite as fabulous as it feels. You could say this dress looks like a triangle that has been capped off, hence the name trapeze, but that doesn't really do it justice. It is fitted on the shoulder and has a hint of structure due to the all-in-one neck and armhole facing. There are no darts or pleats or tucks but the bodice shaping is cut in such a way that the dress hangs elegantly off the bust and drapes gently into a full skirt. It is a kind of dress that can be whipped up in no time but as I was sewing to be kind to a body that was in a bit of a funk I took my time, from choosing the fabric to the hand finishing. I ummed and ahed about the fabric for ages but in the end I went with one I had used before. The same linen twill that I used in the Stardust skirt I talked about in episode 15 of the podcast. This linen also came from Merchant and Mills and is a little pricey. But I love the drape of the cloth and its weight makes it suitable for use most of the year round. And the soft earthy madalite colour is probably my favourite non-brown colour there is. Also, as I still had a good amount of fabric left from my stardust skirt, I could get away with ordering less than the recommended yardage for the pattern, thereby also keeping the overall cost down. Just as with my stardust skirt, I decided to bind my seams and the facing edging rather than zigzag stitching or overlocking them. Either of these would no doubt have been faster, but as in my experience twills and linens fray dreadfully, I prefer the extra polish binding gives a garment. And particularly so with this dress that I was treating as a stubbornly determined act of joy, both to make and wear. As the dress itself is the height of restraint, I thought I would go to town with the binding and make it from a cotton lawn with a lush paisley design. I had originally used this lawn for an Ogden camisole, but decided that this pattern didn't work for me. The Ogden cabbie by True Bias is a beautifully constructed pattern, The technique used to sandwich the straps between the inner and outer fabric produces such a stylish and clean finish. It's a kind of smart but not overly engineered approach I really like in sewing. And if you like wearing strappy tops, I would absolutely recommend you looking into this pattern. The only reason the Ogden cami didn't really work for me is that I was after a camisole pattern that I could truly use as a base layer. And for that, the Ogden cami is a bit too capacious. So I wasn't getting the clean line I was after. As this cami is cut on the bias though it did mean I ended up with a goodly amount of fabric that I could then turn into a luxurious bias binding. It probably took me five half days to cut the pattern, make the binding tape, sew the dress, bind the seams and hand hem the skirt but the mix of familiarity, beautiful fabrics, eye to detail and gently paced hand stitching meant sewing this dress was an absolute delight. And as soon as I put it on over a long-sleeved roll-neck t-shirt and warm tights, I felt fabulous. Comfortable, but well-presented. Cozy, but still elegant. Once I popped a cardigan on, I felt confident and able to face down both internal gremlins and external detractors. I'll admit, I was originally wary of trying the trapeze dress, as I thought it would make me feel frumpy. But between the subtle line of the dress, the natural fabrics it lends itself to, and the ease of movement it allows a body, it actually feels more like an empowering armour, strong precisely because of the gentle flowing freedom it offers, the kind of garment that makes me feel so comfortable and at ease that I don't really give a fig about what other folks might think. The trapeze pattern is available from many stockists, but also online from Merchant & Mills itself, where it can also be purchased as a PDF. It costs, I think, about £14.50 for the paper version, or £8 for the digital version. It's currently only available from UK sizes 8 to 18, which takes you to about a 42-inch bust. But Merchant & Mills has recently expanded its range by creating new blocks of its patterns to cover UK sizes 20 to 28, which I think goes up to about 55-inch bust and I understand that the trapeze dress will be included in the next wave of patterns to be released in this larger size range. When picking the size though, especially if you have a larger bust like me, I would say check the finished measurements carefully. The pattern seems to include about 6 inches of ease at the bust, so you may want to go down a size or even pick a smaller size and make a full bust adjustment, depending on how much ease you like in your clothing. And like so many deceptively simple designs, this pattern has set the cogs of my brain whirring and I'm mulling around different incarnations of the design to produce karmas that work with the practicalities of my everyday life. And just this mental activity alone has been enough to get me out of my sewing funk. The other fibre make that has helped lift me out of my body-related strop is a cardigan I'm currently working on, in particular the Tunnach cardigan by Kate Davies. I was initially drawn to this pattern because of the lace and the comfortable shape, cosy and relaxed without being oversized. As much as I like to be able to move freely in garments, more so with pain and age, I'm not a fan of oversized. I know it's been a trend for some time now in the hand knitting sphere, and a lot of people love it, but it really doesn't work for me for several reasons. On a practical level, oversized garments are costly and resource intensive. As I'm not a small person, I need a fair amount of yardage to knit a cardigan and sweater, and every extra two inches of eads just adds to that yardage and cost. With this highly pragmatic view, I'm not pronouncing any judgment on anybody who enjoys knitting oversized sweaters. It's just part of my own circumstances and my own mental juggling of priorities and dilemmas. On a psychological level, oversized clothes also invariably make me feel bigger than I am. But leaving aside these two things, I actually find oversized garments uncomfortable, and it was not until I started sewing garments with sleeves. That I understood how and why they made me feel uncomfortable. Oversized sweaters often involve the front and back body of the garment being significantly wider than the torso and the shoulder line sitting halfway down the upper arm or at the elbow. Or the other approach may be to have a longer arm side with extensive body and sleeve fabric hanging below the armpit. Either way, These lines create a bunching of fabric below my armpit that my body, with its strange fuzzy awareness of edges, registers as an obstruction at best and painful at worst. Also, when the arm size sits so low, it makes it even harder for me to lift my arms. Often it means the rest of the garment rides up too and I feel a gust of draft up the back. Also, it often makes me feel like I'm hauling a weight of fabric up just to lift my arms. This may make me sound lazy or overly precious, but as my sensory awareness is often in overdrive, I'm all about moving as ergonomically and energy efficiently as possible. In practice, this means I like my garments to fit snugly on my shoulders rather than on the forearms, skim my bust and follow the contours of my armpit. A yoke cardigan or jumper that flares out from the waist down is fine as long as it hangs properly from my upper torso. On this basis the semi-fitted design of the Tanakh really appealed as a smart casual cardigan that would still work with my fussy requirements around the shoulders and the arms. Add to that the traditional chevron style lace pattern that conjures up images of lace knits of the 1930s and 40s and I was completely smitten. There was slight hesitation when I came to choosing colours. I knew that the chevron pattern worked because of the interplay of colours but I also knew that I would need to pick my colours carefully as multicolored garments can make me a bit nervous. My first instinct was of course to go with natural shades of brown as that feels like a safe haven but I started to contemplate colours other than just brown after seeing pictures of the ola yoke that Taylor Owen of the Threads to Men podcast had knit Taylor knit the yoke of this Ella Gordon sweater pattern in Jameson and Smith's two-ply jumper weight using a lovely range of muted colours that went from off-white through shell and a taupe brown to a complex orange. I had a number of these colours in my wall pantry for other projects and between these and my Jameson and Smith's shade cards I settled on the colours I would use. The main colour would be number five, a dark brown, and for the contrasting colours I'd use number two, the off-white, number three, the rosy orange shell tone, number 77, a muted taupe brown, the colour I equate to Cadbury's drinking chocolate powder, and number 122, a warm orange copper. I originally thought I would lay the colours out in a subtle fade but when I started swatching I realised that by using the shell and copper as the main contrasting colours it would reinforce the warm tone of the cardigan. Also when I maximised the contrast between the subtle colours in the chevrons the look reminded me of the beautiful polypore trimitas versicolor. This is a very common bracket fungi that grows on tree trunks and creates crinkled rings of different shades of brown and orange. If that sounds quite abstract, its common name of turkey tail is likely to conjure up exactly what I mean. As I'm starting to experiment with growing mushrooms this year, I've fallen down a bit of a fungi rabbit hole and have been reading up on the variety, biology and amazing symbiotic relationships between the fungi and their host. As I've been absolutely charmed by the beauty of polypores, I thought rather than knitting a cardigan of waves, for that is what tonach means in Gaelic, I would knit a cardigan of trimitus rings instead. And between the gentle rhythm of the lace pattern, the comforting crunch of Jameson and Smith's woolen sponge Shetland wool, and the mesmerising beauty of the complex copper, shell, and Cadbury chocolate powder brown, every single ring of this knit is a delight so much so that I am a little sad to have finished the bulk of the knitting and only have the button and neck bands left to finish. I hope you've enjoyed this chatty fibre-based entry of the Mrs M scrapbook. Before signing off I have a short announcement. If you are in or near Yorkshire, on Saturday the 4th of April there will be a Knitterly meet-up in Wakefield. I've been planning a trip to the Hepworth Gallery in Wakefield anyway and as I was training up to Yorkshire it struck me as a good excuse to catch up with knitters in that general area. If you fancy joining us you can either send me a direct message on Instagram so that I can add you to the Instagram message group or drop me a line at meg at mrsmscuriositycabinet.com so I can forward more details. I will be back with a full episode of the Mrs M's Curiosity Cabinet very soon, which will see me in conversation with a special guest. In the meantime, if you'd like to follow my making between episodes, you can find me on Instagram as Mrs M Curiosity Cabinet, and that is with an underscore between each word. I will also put links to everything I mention in this podcast in the show notes, which appear on my blog at Mrs M's Curiosity com. So till the next time, do please take care. And as we're living through a scary health pandemic, I mean that most sincerely.